Hello, I'm Tom Hauser. With less than two months until Election Day, we have our first look at where the race for governor stands in Minnesota. This year's race features DFL Congressman Tim Walls against Republican Hennepin County Commissioner Jeff Johnson. Here is a look at the results from our exclusive KSTP Survey USA poll. Democrat Tim Walls won a hard-fought primary victory over the party's endorsed candidate, Aaron Murphy. Thank you guys so much. This is awesome. And Republican Jeff Johnson won big over a better-financed and better-known candidate, Tim Pawlenty. Now we have our first look at how the Walls versus Johnson race is shaping up. In a survey of 574 likely voters, Walls leads Johnson 47% to 40%. But 10% remain undecided. The poll has a margin of error of 4.9%. I think the race is wide open because I think a lot of voters don't really know the candidates that well, particularly Tim Walz, first time he's run statewide. Political scientist Stephen Shear says with no incumbent in the race, issues will become very important. Some of those issues favor Jeff Johnson. 52% of Minnesotans oppose raising the gas tax. Johnson does too. Walls supports it. 59% of Minnesotans oppose making Minnesota a sanctuary where illegal immigrants would be protected from federal authorities. Johnson opposes it too. Walls says he supports the idea. Immigration, we couldn't differ more. I believe that we should cooperate with the federal government to enforce our immigration laws. Johnson also pledges to not raise any taxes. Minnesotans, I think, feel like they pay enough. And I would agree with that. I actually think we should start reducing taxes in the state. Wall says closing the door to tax increases is irresponsible. It reduces the chance of compromise. It reduces the chance of understanding that the executive branch has a role to lay out a vision. On regulating immigration, Wall says that's the federal government's job. The idea that you are going to force local law enforcement to do what the federal government has capitulated their responsibility on doesn't get to where people are at. The candidates also disagree on legalizing recreational marijuana. 56% of Minnesotans support the idea. So does Walls, as long as there's regulation, taxation, and education about it. Prohibition doesn't work, and it's not a capitulation that we're giving up. I trust adults to make their own decisions. But overall legalization, I just think the costs to society are too great. Now our KSTP Survey USA poll shows that Walls is leading in urban areas by a wide margin, 60 to 26%. But Johnson leads in greater Minnesota, 47 to 38%. And the two candidates are in a dead heat in the suburbs at 44% apiece. This is a statewide race, clearly with three major battlegrounds. Coming up tonight on 5 Eyewitness News at 10, we'll have exclusive poll results in the race for Minnesota Attorney General. That race pits DFL Congressman Keith Ellison against Republican Attorney Doug Wardlow. You'll also see how allegations of domestic violence against Ellison are factoring into who voters plan to support. You don't want to miss these results coming up tonight on 5 Eyewitness News at 10 o'clock. Minnesota's third congressional district race between Republican incumbent Eric Paulson and Democratic challenger Dean Phillips is already shaping up to be one of the most expensive in the country. There are several TV ads now airing targeting both candidates. This week, we're putting two of those ads through our truth test. The first one is from Paulson's campaign targeting Phillips' stand on health care and taxes. Who's Dean Phillips? He's a businessman who really inherited his millions. It is true Democrat Dean Phillips is worth millions. According to a financial disclosure report filed with Congress last month, 
his net worth is at least in the tens of millions of dollars. Much of his fortune initially came from his work in the family business, Phillips Distilling Company. Phillips repeatedly failed to pay his own business taxes on time, time after time. This claim appears to be true, but exaggerated. The Paulson campaign claims a Phillips company, Talenti Gelato, failed to pay business taxes on time in Cobb County, Georgia. Receipts show the taxes were paid a few weeks to a couple months late on four occasions in 2012 and 2013. The company paid interest, but was not assessed any penalties or fees. Even worse, Phillips claims health care's a moral right, but he didn't provide it to workers at his coffee shop because he said he wouldn't make money. It is true, Phillips said in an interview with Forbes magazine last year, that health care should be a moral right. He's made similar statements in several publications. In the Forbes interview, Phillips was directly asked, does the coffee shop you've started offer health insurance? His response was, no, we don't. He went on to say they would reconsider that if the business expanded. Phillips said his coffee shop paid $15 per hour plus tips and employees could afford to buy insurance through the Affordable Care Act. He went on to say, quote, businesses have to make choices with limited capital. We are finally profitable, but ever so slightly, and we can't do it all. City Pages noted he is providing health care now, but, quote, dragged his feet for a year before providing a plan. Now he's lying to cover it all up. It's misleading to say Phillips lied to cover up the health care situation at Penny's Coffee, but he didn't fully explain the situation at a debate last month. After the newspapers caught you, then you provided it for pennies and pennies. Oh, Congressman, Before I that, am so unbelievable. Before that, let's, you did Let's move on to the issue. It's just not true. Because of a mix of true and misleading statements, this ad gets a B-minus on the truth test. Now, Phillips is responding to that ad with an ad of his own, addressing those claims and hitting back at Paulson. Here's how that ad fared in the truth test. I'm Dean Phillips, and Eric Paulson is saying I don't offer health care to our workers. Well, he's not telling you the truth, and it won't be the last time he does that in a TV ad. This TV ad from the Dean Phillips campaign is a direct response to an ad from Republican Eric Paulson. Just like we did at Phillips Distilling and Talenti Gelato, we do offer health care to full-time employees. It is true Phillips Distillery and Talenti Gelato offer health care to full-time employees. Phillips says he also now provides health care benefits to full-time employees at his Penny's coffee shops. However, Phillips acknowledged in interviews last year with Forbes magazine, the Star Tribune, and City Pages that he initially did not because his company otherwise wouldn't be profitable. No thanks to Eric Paulson, though. He's taken millions from insurance and drug companies. This is true. Since 2010, Paulson has accepted contributions totaling $2.4 million from the insurance and pharmaceutical industries. While voting to take away affordable health care and get rid of protections for pre-existing conditions. The first claim here is very misleading. Paulson did vote in favor of repealing and replacing the Affordable Care Act in 2017. He did not vote to take away affordable health care. As for voting to take away protections for pre-existing conditions, this is also misleading. Paulson did vote in favor of another attempt to repeal the Affordable Care Act in 2015 as a first step toward replacing it with an alternative. 
But on Paulson's congressional website, he clearly states he's in favor of protecting coverage for pre-existing conditions. This ad contains a mix of true and misleading information. It gets a B-minus on the truth test. And you can see how we grade our truth tests and see previous ads we've tested right now on our truth test page at KSTP.com. That third district race, by the way, is now over the million-dollar mark when it comes to outside spending. According to OpenSecrets.org, outside groups have poured more than $1.5 million into that race so far. The eighth district race is at about $670,000. Minnesota's first district is at about $584,000. Those figures are expected to grow a lot. Both of those seats, of course, are open seats. It's been one week now since Secretary of State candidate John Howe and his campaign manager were badly hurt in a parade accident. But Howe says he's grateful their injuries were not worse. I told him he's like Superman because when I saw that trailer go over top of him, I thought he was a goner. I really did. Howe says he and Tim Drugsma fell when the steering on their float's tractor went out at the Steamboat Days Parade in Carver. Drugsma was released from the hospital Thursday and transferred to a rehab facility in Red Wing. He says he's trying to regain full motion in his legs and hips. I went far enough that the, my torso was clear of the trailer behind us, but, but uh, my legs got run over by the tires of the, of the trailer behind us. Howe hit his head on the asphalt. He received 14 staples to stitch his wounds together. He says he still has at least 15 more parades ahead, and he will continue to campaign. Up next, Darren Broughton and Brian McDaniel will be here for political analysis. And we have exclusive new poll results showing where the U.S. Senate race between Tina Smith and Karen Housley stands. For the first time since 1978, both of Minnesota's U.S. Senate seats are up for grabs in the same year. Our exclusive KSTP Survey USA poll gives us our first glimpse at where the candidates stand in the Amy Klobuchar and Jim Newberger race and the special election showdown between Tina Smith and Karen Housley. Eric Chalou reveals the results in the race to fill the final years of a seat Al Franken was last elected to in 2014 and that he resigned from earlier this year. I went to the Senate to work for Minnesota. Tina Smith's first image ad came out Tuesday, targeting greater Minnesota voters. I worked with Republicans and Democrats to pass the Senate Farm Bill. Work hard, play fair, and do the right thing. While her opponent, Republican Corin Housley's second ad, sets her sights on Smith. Career politicians like Tina Smith don't understand our values. You'll only see more and more of these ads as we get closer to November. But how close is the race? A KSDP Survey USA poll conducted last week shows Smith leading Housley by nine points, 48% to 39%. But look at this number, 11% undecided. This survey essentially confirms the conventional wisdom about this race so far. It's competitive. Another uh, sort of striking but not surprising finding is that support for the president and disapproval of the president are closely connected to uh, voters' support for one of the two candidates. Let's dig deeper into the poll data. In southern Minnesota, Housley has a 17-point advantage. In the northeastern part of the state, Housley was up by 10 over Smith, while in the west, it was split between the two. 
and Smith's lead in the Twin Cities was 20 points. These numbers suggest that she has uh, a lot of enthusiasm among the DFL base in the Twin Cities area um, and that she's made inroads with moderate voters as well. The survey also found Smith connecting with younger voters as 57% of those under 50 said they'd back the DFL candidate while 30% in that bracket said they'd support Housley. This particular Senate race will be very active in Minnesota. Education and taxes were the leading issues of the folks who took this survey when it comes to who they're going to vote for. Now the independents surveyed, they were split between Smith and Housley in the coming days. We'll share more on that poll into other key races here in Minnesota. I'm Eric Shalou, 5 Eyewitness News. Our KSTP Survey USA poll also asked Minnesotans about the other U.S. Senate race. Democrat Amy Klobuchar, of course, is the incumbent. She is leading Republican challenger Jim Newberger 53 to 38 percent. The remainder chose another candidate or are undecided. Not quite as many undecideds in that race as some of our others. But joining me now to talk about these poll results, Brian McDaniel and Darren Broughton, thank you both for being here. And let's start by talking about the undecided voters, especially in the Karen Housley, Tina Smith race, double digit mm -hmm. uh, undecideds. Again, we're 50 some days uh, from Election Day. How significant is that? I think it's pretty significant. I think with any polling, especially now when it's so hard to poll, you want to look more than at the numbers, but at momentum. And right now, it looks like the polls we are seeing, the momentum is with uh, Karen Housley, which is which is great for her camp. For the undecideds, I think that both candidates have pretty low name ID. I think that's a good thing for for Housley because it's room for her to work. It's a bad thing for Smith because you know her name has been out there much more prominently. And Darren, uh, Senator Smith. Uh, has a, a tough job ahead of her because it's it's rare when somebody who's appointed to a seat goes on to win it. I mean, it happens, but it's not all that common. Uh, but she so far is doing pretty well, nine-point lead. She's doing pretty darn well. And if you look at both, even if you look at the Klobuchar race, the Smith race, and the governor's race, the numbers kind of all do line up. The Republican candidate gets about 40% of the vote about there. The DFL candidate gets anywhere from the high 40s to low 50s. And the, the numbers on the sides are about the same, between 8 and 10% of each of those things. So if you were to take that as a, as a kind of holistically, it kind of looks like there's a wave or there's a there's synergy between all those races together. And, and he's right, Brian. There is a lot of similarities mm -hmm. between all of the statewide races in terms of that uh, breakdown. But... The number of undecideds is what is important here. If, if you've been watching Tina Smith in office for however many months it's been uh, and you're still undecided about her, that tends to favor maybe the challenger. Well, let's remember, too, we're about two months out, a little under two months out. So right now, the candidates are all being defined. So I think you're going to see these numbers change, you know, certainly as we get closer to Election Day. But they're going to start changing now as people are inundated with all the TV ads where now they're not going to be undecided. They're going to, you know, definitely see here's what candidate A stands for and here's what candidate B stands for. Now, with the Amy Klobuchar, Jim Newberger race, no uh, real surprise there. Amy Klobuchar consistently one of the senators in the country with the highest approval rating and that shows in this race she's up by 15 points. I mean, Amy doesn't really have a race at all right now and part of that is the brand that she has developed over the last you know 10 to 12 years uh, holding the seat uh, and kind of blazing for that middle ground in, in Minnesota politics. Now the governor's race a little bit closer just yep. a seven point lead and again 11 percent undecided. Uh, that one seems a little more 
uh, up for grabs, especially when you look at the issues, uh, the gas tax, uh, sanctuary state, mm -hmm. uh, legalizing marijuana, these issues where they are polar opposites, and it's going to be all about who can get their message out to their supporters. Without question. And also, what, what, what also has been kind of consistent throughout uh, all of these polls is the difference between what's important in the metro and what's important in greater Minnesota. And with these, you know, vast differences between uh, Jeff Johnson and Tim Walls. It's going to see Tim Walls is supposed to be run well in greater Minnesota, but the issues that he cares about and the positions that he have really does not line up with, great, with greater Minnesota anymore. And it was odd in our southern Minnesota demographic, uh, Jeff Johnson actually led Tim Walls, and that's where he represents con Congress. Yes, but also when you look at the sub, when you break out the crosstabs, regionally the, the margin of error increases substantially as well. I think the other piece to look at is not just the KSTP poll, but if you look at the surveys that also happened last week, New York Times in the third district that shows uh, Paulson behind by nine points and even up in the eighth district, the open seat, a dead even race right now between both the Republican and the DFL candidates. Of course, we don't like to talk about other polls. <laughs> no. But it's interesting in the Johnson-Walls race, 44% in the suburbs. Now, it wasn't broken down you know, by the third yeah. and et cetera, but a tight race in the suburbs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one thing you really have to look at is not even the differences between Jeff Johnson and Tim Walls, but the difference between Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan, his own running mate. She is much further to the left than him. So people who are thinking, well, Tim Walls is a pretty moderate guy. I like the way he's voted on certain issues. Well, right now, you know, he's being pulled to the left by his running mate, and how is he going to govern? I think he needs to answer to but that. If you right? look at the last, but if you look at the last, what happened this week, National Republicans have canceled three weeks of television to help Jeff Johnson out. Folks in Washington know where this race is, and it's not with Jeff Johnson. Which seems odd. It's only a seven-point difference mm -hmm. with 50-some days to go. I, I would be surprised if they totally uh, bail out on the race, but we'll see what happens. Darren and Brian, thanks for being here. Up next, Sarah Walker and Kurt Zellers will be here for Face Off. We'll be back in two months. We're going to talk about the Trump factor in all these races. And welcome back. Time now for Face Off. Joining me today, Sarah Walker and Kurt Zellers. Thank you both for being here. Uh, we're getting down to the nitty-gritty here. we got polls out. we got debates coming up. A lot of TV ads. The airwaves are inundated with TV ads. Uh, let's start by talking about the governor's race. You've seen the poll results. Sarah, I'll start with you. Uh, where do you assess this race now? right now? Obviously, Tim Walls with a 7-point lead, but a 4.9% margin of error in that poll. Well, I'd say, first of all, I think it's, it's a great news for Tim Walls, but, and I think it sends a message that his one Minnesota is resonating throughout um, the state and that people don't want a divisive governor at this moment. But I'd also say that I think Democrats are not going to rest on their laurels because we saw what happened with Trump and Hillary Clinton. We also see that polls have been wildly inaccurate, and so I think you're going to see enthusiasm and a lot of grassroots activity from Democrats till the end. And as I talked to Tim Walls about uh, the other day, he does talk about a one Minnesota, but in our poll you can see there are three distinct battlegrounds, you know, greater Minnesota, the urban areas, and the suburbs. Right. And I think, uh, you know, you look at some of those uh, greater Minnesota numbers, and I was actually surprised at how high Tim Walls was. You know, his running mate is uh, wildly left, has a lot of practices that, a lot of positions that don't fit with farm practices or business practices in greater Minnesota. So I think there's a lot of room for Jeff to pick up votes out there. And I think as the candidates are defined, um, anybody who isn't over 50% or even close to 50% should not be taking anything for granted. Now, I talked to both of the candidates uh, a few days ago about the state of the race. Let's hear what Jeff Johnson and Tim Walls had to say, then we'll talk about that. Just traveling around this state, um, now that people are really starting to pay attention to the election, I feel great. People are looking for a new direction 
in Minnesota. And I offer that, and I don't think most people see Tim Walls offering that. Oh, I'm never comfortable in an election, but what I am comfortable with is it feels like our message is resonating, this idea of one Minnesota, that we can solve problems together, that there's, uh, we're stronger when we try and unite the state around those common bonds, education, healthcare, innovation, and uh, I think that's working. Now, unspoken in all of this is the Trump effect. Uh, Donald Trump has a 40% approval rating in the state of Minnesota, but in some of those greater Minnesota areas, he's up at 45, 46, 47 percent. Does that surprise you that he's still that strong with all the controversy? Uh, it does, uh, and it doesn't. You know, in greater Minnesota, they're seeing economic advantage. They're seeing salaries going up, wages going up, unemployment is at record low. So if you're not here in the bubble, you know, in the Twin Cities and maybe in the media market, you're out there just doing your job every day, going to work every day, you're seeing economic success. So I'm not surprised. And in greater Minnesota, Donald Trump speaks the language, which is we wanted a good opportunity for everybody. And going forward, that's what he's pledging. I think that's also what Jeff Johnson is pledging. Um, I just don't think that it's going to be, he shouldn't just stay out there. He should bring that message to the Twin Cities. And Republicans, including Jeff Johnson, are not running away from Donald Trump. They're saying they would welcome his support. Does that surprise you? Um, it, well, it doesn't surprise me because Johnson has said this from right the moment he uh, won the primary. So I'm not surprised by that. I think it's going to be a very dangerous and faulty strategy for him. If you look at the rate of new voters who are coming into the system in early registration, and you also look at the rate of women's voting, I think this is going to be the downfall of Jeff Johnson in the governor's race. The, the Donald the, Trump the effect? The Donald Trump effect. Women are not happy with Donald Trump. And even if you look at the Survey USA poll, you can see a distinct difference between male support for Trump and female support. And 10 seconds left, there is a big gender gap, no question. Uh, there is. Uh, but again, uh, I heard a candidate the other day say, you know, the women's issues are the same as men's issues. Economic opportunity, safety in our schools, and a great future for our kids. That's a message it carries across all demographics. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got 50-some days uh, until Election Day. It's going to be a fascinating ride. Kurt yeah. and Sarah, thank you for being here. Up next, honoring a local marathon runner by finishing the run. We'll have that story when we come back. Another great day last week for one of my favorite charity running events of the year. It's called Finish the Run. It's a 5K run and walk in memory of David Forrester, who collapsed and died of a heart ailment a few years ago at age 27 while on a marathon training run. His parents, Dave and Sandy Forrester, started Finish the Run to raise money for a different charity every year. This year's charity was Still Kicking, a nonprofit organization that gives financial help to people going through tough times. A highlight this year was the release of 30 balloons in honor of what would have been David Forster's 30th birthday. 750 runners showed up this week. That was awesome. We'd like to see what you have to say about At Issue. Just write to at issue at kstp.com. You can listen to episodes of At Issue every week on iTunes and Podcast One. We have links posted on the At Issue page at kstp.com, and we're out of time.